Thank you. 
bit of a summary of our study tonight there in that that song. Let's turn to Ephesians. If you've got your little outline sheet from Sunday, from the bulletin. We're looking down there at love that that the example here, the exhortation example and, and probably just get through those two. The love that travails, the love that transforms. We looked last week at the wife's loyalty shown in surrender and tonight we look at the husband's love shown in sacrifice. So love's Wife's loyalty shown in surrender, husband's love shown in sacrifice. And we're at verse 25, uh, Ephesians 5:25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So what men to love their wives as their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful truth of an example of our Lord's love for us and all that he did to cleanse us, wash us, purify us, and uh, making for himself a bride, spotless, pure, and clean, to take to heaven one day. And that is the picture of should be happening within families, husbands and wives, and their relationship. Bless the word to us tonight, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's the husband's love shown in sacrifice. The exhortation that's given in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. Now, which of the four Greek words for love do you think that is used here? There's there's the word storge, uh, a friendly or family love. There's the word phileo, a brotherly love. There's the word eros in the Greek, which is erotic. I don't say love, but that's the word used. And there's agape, which is sacrificial love. So what word do you think of the four of those Greek words is used for love here? Agape. It is sacrificial love, the highest kind of love. Spontaneous love irrespective of rights or the position of the other person and it makes much of the person it loves and husbands if we love our wives this way there'll be no worries about her and no resentment of her uh, of her towards you in responding as she ought in obedience as uh, submission there in 22 and following and so it's it's easy to see how this thing works, but it has to have both working to make it work. Well, <laughs> to make it work as it should. Um, and so, so often, when you think of the church and Christ, Christ has done everything. Everything he can do. The church is messing around down here on earth, not doing the right thing. And so it could work a lot better <laughs> if every redeemed person did what these verses say. Love him back with agape love and uh, that's what he does God commands us to love him in Mark's gospel 12 30 it reads and thou shalt love the Lord thy God and it's in the other gospels too maybe a bit different to this but love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul 
and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And, and here thou shalt love thy wife as thyself. As it even, even read there this evening. So God commands us to love him. Love our neighbors and love one another. Because God is love. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we get sinners, Christ died for us. This is the agape, the sacrificial love. It refers to a principle. It's a fact. This is just the truth. And so for us to love the Lord and to love others and to love our wives and to love each other, wives as, as well love the husbands, is a matter of principle and fact. And uh, phileo, word for love, refers to more the feeling, which needs to develop and will develop if this is agape love. And so agape, not phileo, is used to describe man's love for God. And it's directed toward our will. Remember Matthew the other day in giving testimony? He said, I didn't have that, any feeling in. It's a matter of fact. You see, that's a gap I love. The feeling comes afterward. The phileo love. Of, of all the things you realize you have in Christ once you are saved. Um, <clears throat> so it's always used there. Of a man's love for God. Agape. God doesn't tell us to be fond of him. You know, with the storge or phileo love. But he instructs us to agape him. Remember, where, where is it shown? Can you find Think of an example in the scripture where that love is shown. The Lord picked on somebody and nailed it properly. Peter, that's right. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Lovest thou me? And the Lord was interchanging the words for love there. And Peter... The Lord said, Agape me, with, all your, with your will you choose to. And Peter said, I phileo you. <laughs> and back and forth it went twice. And then the Lord said, yeah, you phileo me. <laughs> because of what you did. You betrayed, you didn't betray me, you, you didn't stand with me. And um, he denied the Lord, didn't he, then three times. And the Lord restored that relationship and the Lord used those words very specifically to get the message across to Peter and unless we're Greek speaking wouldn't understand the importance of that but if we're Christians and know the word a bit we would sacrificial love um, <clears throat> we're to love him we're to love husbands and wives as like that whether you feel like it or not <laughs> that's the truth that's the fact um, <clears throat> Now we see that that's the exhortation, the first part of 25. Then we see the example in the last part of 25 to 27. We see love that travails. He gave himself up. It says in verse 25, doesn't it? He loved us and gave himself for it in those verses there. Uh, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man do what? Lay down his life. And... Um, Remember the story of the two goats? They met on a bridge and it was too narrow to pass. And one goat, what did he do? Push the other one off. No. <laughs> That's what most Christians do. 
you know, okay, let's back up and let's take a charge. <laughs> I can see that. We had baby goats. We had goats on the farm, just a few. And the kids, the, the, the little ones, we, yeah, they'd get up and they'd pop each other. They'd get up on all the cypress stuff, I remember, and bang, until one knocked the other guy off. And then we'd get down on our fours and do it. And we'd duck just before we'd hit because it hurt <laughs> as kids. But <clears throat> no. What did the goat do, John? <laughs> Lay down and let the other goat walk over him. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> so that they both got across the bridge without harm. Maybe a few footprints. Um, <clears throat> that's laying down your life for <laughs> your brother or sister. As the Lord laid down his life for us. And what woman wouldn't obey a husband that was willing to die for her, lay down his life rather than sacrifice her to his fears, his lust and ambitions. And no sacrifice should be too great for the husband. That's what's being said here. <clears throat> now, thinking back into the Old Testament, we might hesitate to use this example, but let's use it and you think about this. The example of Samson. He had some glaring imperfections, didn't he? Yet Samson was a type of Christ. In his determination to take a Gentile bride against the wishes of his parents, his parents couldn't understand why he wanted a Gentile bride when he had as many Jewish brides he could have taken, a, a pagan woman. But Samson's heart was already engaged in this. <laughs> And, and God had plans too. You see, when we, we read the whole story now, we see that God had a plan and purpose in this desire that Samson had. And you think of it, when the Lord Jesus chose to come down, give his life a ransom for many Gentile dogs. He said that they were, he, that's what he pictured us like. And he was willing to, to buy and purchase at a high price to himself, a bride. The day come when Samson went to meet the woman of his heart that he greatly desired. On his way he met a, what did he meet? A roaring lion. And Samson was filled with the spirit. That's why we use him as an example. He was filled with it. The spirit came upon him there and filled with the spirit and... By the way, there are many more references to the Holy Spirit in connection with Samson more than all the other judges put together. So that is a fact too. So <clears throat> there's, there's that occasion where Samson did this and uh, he wasn't worried about a mere lion, however fierce. What did he do to the lion? He tore the lion to bits, didn't he? That... And he probably had a few scars. You, you think of the likeness of the type of the Lord Jesus. So Samson going down to get a Gentile bride, met a lion in the way. Who's the lion? Satan, the roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He tore the lion apart. He, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead, won the victory over death. And uh, death blow to Satan. Um, Samson was not worried about that. He went to claim his bride. She proved unworthy of him 
And that only adds to the parallel of the church and the Lord Jesus. We're not worthy of him. But he came anyway and he did what he did. And he died for all mankind. And if what we've been saying lately is only 1% of mankind that's saved, isn't it bad? (laughs) He did this. He, He fought the lion. He fought death. He became a man. He did all this to destroy the works of the. He destroyed the works of the devil to redeem the the Gentiles, and they still didn't trust him. They still don't believe on him. They deny him ever so more now than ever before. It seems there's no God consciousness left. It seems in society very little. And so Delilah proved herself unworthy of him, but only adds to this sad parallel. Do we show ourselves worthy of what the Lord has done for us? Or do we still wallow way around in the pig pen of sin? She allowed fear and family uh, pressure to turn her away from him. She, she got the secret from him, gave it up to the Philistines. Uh, Samson's subsequent vengeance was what God wanted on the Philistines anyway. See, God's will was still working even though they were doing so many things wrong. That's God. He's able to work all things out for good. Even this sort of this. Um, But anyone that dared to interfere with his beloved, Samson took care of him until his strength was taken away. Now no strength is taken away from the Lord. And anyone (laughs) that has messed with Israel has copped it. Who was I talking to the other day? Was it one of you on the phone it was about that and saying all the Instances. There's, an institu- there's a place that records all of the things that countries do to Israel and bang. And count on it. And count, even now, count on it. They're going to cop it from the Lord in some way, weather-wise, usually. He, he does something there. And, um, <clears throat> but Samson's vengeance was taken out. And one can imagine Samson alone finally with his bride for the first time. She sees the marks of the lion laid on the body. And the battle with a lion, saying, Samson, what are these terrible wounds you have? <laughs> when we get to heaven, what are these wounds you have? Remember what he said to Doubting Thomas? Look, have a look. Have a look. On oh, this side. At the wounds that I suffered for you. And Samson, yes, may have said these my beloved are the tokens of my love. I was willing to die for you. And so, interesting thought, isn't it? We mightn't go there that much. We might make it a whole, well, we've made it public now, haven't we? <laughs> but there's some parallels and likenesses there. Um, <clears throat> the example, love that travails, a love that's willing to suffer to, to bring the bride to himself. Love that transforms, verse 26 and 27, that he might sanctify it. Here we see Christ and his church. Here we see love that finds us in our sins. Love that regenerates us. Like God did with Israel. He, he said of Israel, he found, I found you in your blood. Newborn and in your blood. Not wrapped up, not cleansed uh, as a babe as a babe would be when first born. He, he spoke of Israel like that in Yet he regenerated. It's not because you are more lovable than anyone else, he said to Abraham. (laughs) But because of my will, I chose you. 
We'll have to ask the Lord in eternity, what for? <laughs> Why so? But we can see it's all working out anyway. <laughs> love that transforms, love that enables us. Uh, you think of the love that God has for us. Again, the Lord did it with Hosea and Goma. Go and take someone, a woman of whoredom. Take her to be your wife. You know, and, and, and she went off back into that after he'd married her. Keep loving her. Keep loving her. And uh, the Lord d does that for his people, for his church. And we would, be, we would be in big trouble if he didn't love us that way, with that agape love. You know, all this is pointing to the love the husband is to have for his wife. This is in the context of where it's written. So if you don't like the Samson illustration, go to the Hosea illustration and read the 11 chapters of Hosea. I think it's a wonderful book. We studied that some years ago when we were in our actually prayer meetings, wasn't it? The Minor Prophets. Um, and love that ennobles the person, makes us kings and priests. Love that is not content with leaving us as it found us. <laughs> that might hurt and uh, feel tough on us sometimes. God doesn't want to leave us where he found us. He makes us beautiful beyond description. That's what these verses are saying in Ephesians. Uh, like the story of Ruth and Boaz and the wonderful redemption of the Gentile woman there. There's another one. That's probably one that uh, the, the, the kinsman redeemer, uh, how she was related to him by marriage and how he redeemed as the kinsman, the second kinsman <laughs> in the line. So all too often we only see the spots and blemishes, faults and failings of God's people and wives and husbands. We major on the negatives. We see the church as weak and divided. But the Lord's looking at it from the other side with a finished product. You know, if you went out to the Pilbara and went to one of the iron ore places out there where they're digging the dirt up, so there's a Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, doesn't look like it to me. But there's a lot of melting and a lot of heating and a lot of beating and a lot of turning and hardening and everything else that, that makes that dirty old iron ore into a Mercedes. And so it is in our lives, isn't it? A lot of beating, molding, heating, cooling, tempering, everything that needs to be done to bring us like he wants us to be. So we don't see the church as Christ sees it, but he sees it like that, the finished product. He's always seen it like that. And that's what he's saving us for, to make us into that. He sees the perfect, complete, glorious, bright as a morning star, fairer than the day. In fact, if you go and read the Song of Solomon, where Solomon is talking about the bride, the Shulamite girl, that become his wife. And there he is expressing the Lord's love for, in type for his church. Without spot, without wrinkle. Beyond the reach of temptation, God's going to get us there one day. And so this is something that should be happening within the marriage. This is what God wants for our lives in our relationship. Um, <clears throat> holy and without blemish. A few thoughts here in this little sermon at the end here. <laughs> Presently, we are like the, the ore, iron ore. <laughs> Presently, we could let's lift it a little bit higher than that. Presently, we are like a diamond in the rough. <laughs> like a diamond in the rough. <clears throat> I, I haven't seen diamonds being done over, but I've seen 
Thank you, Opal. <laughs> He's thinking with me. <laughs> Opal being done. We're at the Christensen's place in Andamuka. And uh, Elizabeth was the one doing it, one of the daughters. Way back years ago when we went there and they took us down into where all the stuff was. <laughs> Under, un the underground house, the other house was on top of it. And the big long bench along, I think it was the eastern side. And all the grinders and the polishes and the things. And they get the big bit of opal and they chop, chop, chop. Oh, look at all that. <laughs> Throwing it all away. But they're going for the bit that's got no cracks in it. And so they're cutting it all off to get to that last little bit. Then they stick it on icy pole sticks and, and, and then they grind it and then they polish it and polish it and then they fit it into a whatever. <laughs> you know, make, make some things like that. It's, it doesn't take too long. Diamonds are a bit longer, they're harder. But it is, and when it's finished, it glows in the dark, you might say, with all the colours of the opal, thanks. I'm thinking of diamonds. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> that's what God's doing. Might be reducing the size, but we're making something that's worth a lot more than that big chunk. Um, <clears throat> I see that. You see that mine that just recently a mine company that was going downhill and looked like going broke, and they were going to sell it over the other side of Australia. And it, they they struck a vein of gold, and it was just gold fallen off the walls. Unbelievable. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they stopped because they just kept worn out, getting it out. And they went back two weeks later and just kept digging it. They got into a vein of gold. And some of the chunks are bigger than the chunks that's, I think, ever been found. Just huge chunks. And uh, they were just, people were buying it for double the price it was worth in a chunk because they're just going to keep it as an old chunk. <laughs> you know, all, it looks like slag. Um, I say slag, not spit yeah. <laughs> slag when you use an oxy torch and you cut the metal and it all goes bubbly and you know what I'm men know what I mean <laughs> so some ladies might not been there and that's what it looks like but it's yellow gold and it's got dirt and all that mixed with in it rocks quartz but they're not going to melt it down because they want to keep it as something people have got money to buy a thing like that I don't know who <laughs> none of my friends <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, don't be sorry. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> um, it's only gold, <laughs> not like gold that perishes, eh? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so love's transformed us in the past, didn't it? Love's transformed us in at salvation. He lo he he loved us unto death. John thirteen one. Luke twenty three thirty four. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here he is, like Samson, going down to get a Gentile bride, and they're all mocking him, jeering him, saying, "Yeah, you said three days you'd raise it up, and the temple, and all this, and you, you, you saved others yourself. You, you cannot say mock. Father, forgive them. <laughs> they know not what they do." Romans five seven and eight for. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's delivered us from the wrath to come. 
And Colossians 1, 13 and 14 tells about the deliverance we have. He's, he's taken us like Psalm chapter 40, verse 1, out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock. I'm going to use a couple of examples here of this, this um, love that transforms us. I was out doing a cubby house for, for Troy's, Troy's here tonight. <laughs> Just doing that, a bit of a cubby house. And it was up on stilts. It was about up a bit high. And then I dug a sand pit underneath and dug the topsoil out and put it up in a heap. And then I had to dig a trench. It was real hard dirt. So I got the hose in, water it down. And um, Elise and Caleb turned up. And they could see that I was making mud pies. And, oh, this looks fun, Grandpa. You know? And so they got the hose. They know how to turn it on. They got it on the big pile of dirt I had. Oh, no. About that high. They ran it all down. And they'd jump up the top, slide down. And after a little bit, they were sliding down. They were rolling down. And they were just... Just coated in mud. <laughs> it, was, it was fine dirt, and so it all went just to mud. And I said, and they were having great fun. And I, I said, oh, well, they're not my children. <laughs> Catherine's children. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know what? You're going to have to go over there. Mum's going to have to get the hose and hose you all down. It was pretty cool by that time. <laughs> and get you off it. Before I got in, Catherine had them clean. I think they got into the laundry and took it all off. <laughs> but that's how the Lord finds us. Just coated in mud from the pit. Dirt of the world. Spotted all over. Filthy as could be. But the other example is, uh, is probably uh, more professional. As one of the last big jobs I did two and a half years ago was for Bart Fiala in uh, and, and Anthony's son. <clears throat> I got there and they're in a panic. They've been trying to ring me and I wasn't answering my mobile, I wasn't answering the phone at home. The, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, were turning up at their farm. And they'd been put, put, putting all the offal, well, the stuff that runs from the, the potato peels and all the stuff that cleans the potatoes. They're making chips and potato cakes on the farm from the spuds they grew. Heaps and a semi trailer load a day for Melbourne. And they had a pipe, and we put a dam down the mountain in the gully, just a settlement pond some years earlier. And in there, it was just a thick mat on top. It was a blub, 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 all over it. You, you threw a match, I reckon it'd burn all day. It was just that methane coming up out of that. And the EPA were turning up. <laughs> and we had to, in, in two and a half days, and we had to get rid of, this thing was about 12 foot deep of water and of slop. And... Uh, the fellow, he tried to get a big excavator and we didn't have one available. Couldn't get Amundsen's, I couldn't get ours. And so the little fellow from Jebra come and dug trenches right across the paddock, back and forward on a little bit of a... And we dumped it all in there. And, and, the, and then I'd go just carefully with the bulldozer and just back it off and, and put about this much covering on all this muck about that deep, about that wide in a trench. And then in the dam, we made the dam half the size, put a bank halfway through and then put all the, the real thick stuff in there they had to cover it up with about that much topsoil, so I didn't go down in it with a bulldozer. And then and they and they turned up, and the old Mister Fiello flew down the hill. Hey, come up, come on, stop, stop! <laughs> Hope you finished. So we roared up the top with the machines and started digging the car park out. I wasn't being deceived; I was just obeying the boss. <laughs> and there was two ladies from the EPA turned up. <clears throat> And, and he took him into the office. Anthony, the young fellow, took him into the office. He's trained as an engineer, but he's working with his dad. 
And uh, so he took him into the office and talked to him as long as he could. So it all got fixed up. They came out and there were spots around the place where these hoses and pipes were leaking, just real deep holes. We put about this much dry topsoil on. It just looked like topsoil. And wouldn't you know it? <laughs> you know what happened? <laughs> the lady, the chief one, walked out onto it and <laughs> straight through. <laughs> I thought, they're going to lose their license. <laughs> and I saw her later. I didn't know it happened. I wasn't watching. And I said to Anthony, what happened? Because all the clothes are sort of spotty brown. <laughs> she had trousers on. And so she would have stunk. <laughs> and everything. But I'm sure he must... chemicals in it to clear, to stop the potatoes going brown, all that stuff, and set our feet upon a rock. That's salvation. That's love. That's what God has done for us. And you know, <clears throat> once he's done that, he hoses us off, <laughs> cleans us up, but then it's a lifetime of doing that for us. It, <clears throat> it's uh, a life transformed by... In the past, salvation, a life, love transforms us in the present through sanctification, and we're way out of time. <laughs> and love transforms us in the future. We'll look at it another time, the last two points, but that's the, lo the love the Lord has for us, and He's still working on us. And uh, at times we're unlovable, it seems, by others, but the Lord still loves us. You know how it is with your children, you still love them. When they do wrong, you're still loving them. You still want the best for them. You still want to bring them on with you, that they might go to heaven with you. Isn't that right, parents? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Any thoughts? You might have better examples, but I thought they were two good ones. The Lord's saved us from the pit. We're the pits. Haven't got a funny example. No. <laughs> 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 Tim might have some. We won't talk about those <laughs> as a plumber. <laughs> He's told me a few. Where's that? Here it is. Prayer requests. <clears throat> you know, the apprentice gets all those jobs.